You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Now, Diane von Furstenberg, a Belgian-born fashion designer, once said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always knew the woman I wanted to be. I didn't always know what I wanted to do, but I always knew the woman I wanted to be. You know, when you know who you want to be, it'll determine what you do. I'm preaching already. When you know who you want to be, it will determine what you do. Because when you know who you want to be, where you want to be, the kind of life that you want to live, then it will inform what you do now. Because in order to be that way, to live that way, to, to, to be that person, then you have to act today. Because when you have a vision for your life, it will guide and direct where you go. Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Why? Because when you don't have a vision, when you have nothing guiding you, you live a directionless life. But when you have a vision, when you have something guiding you, it gives you the motivation to move. It gives you the motivation to do what you need to do today to become that way tomorrow. Let me give you some, some parenting advice real quick. Um, I'm a parent of a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and so what I'm going to say about teenagers, just take with a grain of salt, because I don't have them yet, and I hadn't raised them yet, but I was a student ministry pastor for seven years, and I interacted with teenagers and gave advice and, and saw some of the ways that they lived, and, and parents, I just want to let you know, if you don't want your kids to do drugs, give them a greater vision for their life. If, if you don't want your kids uh, to have loser friends, Give them a greater vision for their life. If you want your kids to pursue purity and wait till their wedding night to consummate a marriage, then give them a greater vision for their life. Sure, tell them what not to do, but beyond just saying don't do this, give them a greater vision for which to live. Because when they got a vision and they know what they're headed towards, they'll say, of course I don't want to do drugs because that's not going to help me get where I want to go. Of course I'm going to pursue purity because I got a vision for my life and my future marriage. Of course I don't want to hang out with loser friends who are going to bring me down because I got a vision of where I'm headed. Sometimes what we need to do in our parenting is not just tell kids what not to do, but tell them what they should be doing. Let's give them a greater vision to live for. And this, this principle, this principle applies to everything in life. You want to have a greater marriage, get a greater vision. You want to get out of debt and get control of your finances, have a vision of where you want to be five years from now financially because your vision will guide you and direct you. This is, this is how I try to operate just, just with me um, as, a, as a pastor and as a leader. See, what I do is I just envision where I want to be five years from now. What's the kind of leader that I want to be five years from now? Who, who do I want to be? And what does that leader look like? And how does that leader carry themselves? And how does that leader talk? And how does that leader interact with people? What kind of books does that leader read? What kind of tools does that person have at their disposal? And, and just envision who I want to be and where I want to be five years from now. And then I say, okay, well, I got to get those tools now. I got to start reading those books now. I got to start acting that way now. I got to start thinking that way now. I got to start asking questions like that now. I do the same as, as a husband and as a father. What kind of husband do I want to be five years from now? Well, how does he act and how does he operate and how does he treat his wife? Well, I need to start doing that now. 
What, what kind of father do I want to be five years from now? What do I want my kids to say about me? How does that father operate? Well, I need to start doing that stuff now. See, what I'm trying to do is get a vision for my life because then I know where to head. And when I know where to head, I know what I need to do now. Today, I want to talk to you about being guided by a vision. That's my title for the sermon today. If you would take a moment just to write that down, it's guided by a vision, guided by a vision. Because in this series we've been in called, I've been trying to help us understand what God's call is in our life, what his will is for our life. I'm trying to answer the question for us, why are we here? What is God's plan and purpose for my life? Because sometimes it's, it's quite unclear. And when you have a vision in your life, it'll redirect you. When you start to stray in life, if you got a vision, you know how to come back. When you got a vision in your life and you start to get complacent or, or stagnant or you're just kind of living haphazardly, being tossed about uh, by the circumstances and situations in your life, when you got a vision, it helps give you guidance so you know where to go. And, and for some of you, this is your story. You've experienced this. This is what brought you back to church for some of you. You looked around at your life and you realized that you didn't want to be where you want to be five years from now, but you were there. And you said, I don't want to be here, and in order for me to get where I'm going, I need to get back in church. I need to fix my relationship with God, and that's what brought you here, because you looked around and you realized, wait, I got a greater vision for my life, and now you're here. And so what I've tried to do in this series called is I've tried to help us understand what God's will is for our life so that you can have a direction and purpose. I've, I've talked about God's general will that's found in his word. We've talked about God's specific will, and the way to find his specific will is through his general will. Last week, I talked about narrowing it down even more by answering these three questions. You can know what God's will is for your life, what your calling is in life, by answering these three questions. What do I love? Uh, what am I good at? And what does the world need? And the answer to those three questions, right where those three meet in the middle, that's your calling. But today, I want to help us navigate through this question. What do you do when your calling seems unclear? Because there are times where your calling seems unclear. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking in God's word. His general will doesn't speak to it. You're, you're praying, you're seeking advice, and you're not getting an answer. You, you've tried to answer these questions, and you still come up empty. And so what do you do when your calling seems unclear. I love the story that um, Stephen Webb told me. Uh, Stephen is a member on my management team. I have a management team of four pastors in our region um, who just provide accountability for me. They're people I go to for advice and they, they provide oversight just for me. And um, uh, Sweb, that's what I call him, Sweb. His name is Stephen Webb. I call him Sweb. You can call him Sweb too, just in case you ever meet him. But um, Sweb is a uh, on staff at Elevation, a church down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Actually, they're a church all over. They got campuses all over the place. Um, but it's a church of thousands of people. And he was telling me about how he came to be on staff. See, what had happened was um, he and his family lived in Texas, and they felt called to start a church. And so they moved to Colorado, and they lived there for a year, planning and preparing to start this church. And as he was put preparing and planning to start this church, he heard about Elevation and he wanted to learn from them and so he, he uh, visited and, and learned from them and um, got all sorts of really helpful information uh, and he learned about the ministry of Pastor Stephen Furtick and he was just so impressed by it that Sweb sent Pastor Stephen a three-page handwritten letter just letting him know how much he was impacted by his ministry. 
Uh, and as time went on, he said to his wife, you know, I feel like God is actually calling us to go be a part of that church. Like, I, I think we need to abandon our plans of starting a church here and go be a part of that church down there. Uh, but he wasn't sure. I mean, he, he knew that, that there was this, this strong desire and he, he felt this calling. And he just said, I, I think we need to do this. And so he, his family and he, they, they packed up and moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so they moved from Texas to Colorado for a year, and then they moved from Colorado to Charlotte. And if you've ever moved, you know the stress in moving. Um, but they moved from Colorado to, to Charlotte to be a part of this church. You know, I, I talk to people every once in a while who, who come to our church, and they say, man, I love it. it it's great, but it's just too far away. I'm like, where do you live? And they say, Virginia Beach. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's 20 minutes. What are you talking about? It's just too far of a drive. I love it. If it was close. Listen, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I worked at a church in Virginia Beach for seven years, and it took me 40 minutes to get there. I drove there every week. So I get it. I understand. But, but, but I often inform people of Rebecca when they say it's, it's too far. I say, oh, man, let me tell you about Rebecca. She lives in Pocosin, and uh, she drives here every week. I mean, you know. I, I, I try, I, I don't want to be a travel agent for guilt trips, but sometimes I just let people know, you're sorry, not sorry, but you, come on. Sweb said, I feel called to be a part of this church so much so they moved from Colorado to Charlotte. Now you've heard of people moving for a job, but very rarely do people move for a church. But he said, we're called to be a part of this church. And so they packed up and they moved to, to Charlotte, North Carolina to be a part of this church. And here's the thing. They didn't have a promise of a job. N nothing was promised to them. They had no jobs lined up. They just said, we are called to be a part of this movement in Charlotte. And so they moved down to Elevation. And um, they, they, they found jobs. I think he started working at a restaurant there. But they, they went there their first day and they got involved in serving. They said, okay, we're going to start serving. We're jumping. Uh, we're going all in. See, sometimes people will come to this church for months, even years, and never get involved. Never start serving. Never volunteer. Never give a dime. But Sweb and his family, they went and the first day they got involved. Why? Because they said, we're called to be a part of this church. We're not here just to attend, but we're called. This is, this is the place we belong. And so he, they started serving, and he served there for an entire year, and he moved up in the, in the ranks of serving. And he got to the point where they gave him a key to the building, and they entrusted him with that. And then he had an interview to go on staff, and this is what he really wanted. And so he went in for the interview, and as he walked through the office, you know, people knew who he was. People were cheering for him. They were like, you're going to get this job. This is just a formality. It's a slam dunk. You got it. And so he walked into the room to the people who were interviewing him, and he sat down and they asked him one question. And they talked about that one question for three hours. And at the end of those three hours, they just said, we're not going to hire you. You, you, you are not going to get a job at this church. We cannot hire you at all. This is devastating for him because he had packed up his family and moved to this church. He was called to be here, and his, his dream was to have a job there. And now the interview is done, and they've said, uh-uh, you're not getting a job here. And Sweb so said that it was a 15-minute motorcycle ride from the office back to his home, and he remembers that because it was in those 15 minutes that his life was, was altered as far as his calling, that he made a decision that, that shifted everything. On his way back, he um, started thinking, okay, what are we going to do? 
Are we going to stay at this church or are we going to go somewhere else? I mean, uh, I'm devastated. I didn't get a job. The interview's done and there's no way I'm getting a job. What, what am I going to do? And he said that he had this conversation with God and with himself on this motorcycle ride. And he said, wait, wait, wait. I moved here not for a job, but because I was called. And so just because things didn't go the way I thought they would, just because this calling seems a bit unclear, doesn't mean that the calling has changed. And so he made up his mind on that motorcycle ride back that he was going to stay at that church because he was called to be at that church. Even though things didn't go the way that he wanted, even though things seemed unclear, even though he didn't get the job like he had hoped for, he was still called. See, sometimes what happens when people come to a church is they'll come and they'll use this language, oh, we're called to be here, we're so excited, we can't wait. But then several months later they leave and they say, we're called to go somewhere else. The Lord is calling us somewhere else. That's, that's code for we, we got offended. We didn't like something. Things didn't go our way. Um, we, we just want something different. And I'm like, well, hold on, I thought you were called to be here before. Oh, yeah, no, no, that, we, we were just checking it out. You were checking it out for two years? What? No, no, we're called. To, see, see, sweat things didn't go his way, and he realized, listen, wait, we're, but we're called to be here. Even though things didn't go the way we wanted them to, we're called to be here. See, here's what I believe, that people often prematurely uproot themselves from the place that they're called and go seek shelter in some other church, and they miss out on the blessing that God wants to give them. See, it's only the plant that stays planted that grows. But when you uproot yourself prematurely, you miss out on the growth that God wants to do in you. And Sweb decided, you know, we're called to be here just because things didn't go the way I wanted, just because things didn't turn out like I had hoped, we're still called. So when he got home, here's what he did. He sent the, the team who interviewed him an email. And in the email he said, um, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to interview for this position. Although I wish things had turned out differently, I, I, I understand. And um, I just want to let you know I'm still going to show up this Sunday bright and early with a great attitude, and I'm still going to be your best volunteer. And so he typed that email up. Now, here's what the normal person would have typed up. The normal person after a failed interview like that would have typed up an email that read a lot like this. Um, Dear morons, I hope you understand the huge mistake you just made. Do you understand what I sacrificed to be here? I packed up my family and moved here, and I gave myself to this church for an entire year, and I was your best volunteer. I didn't ask for any praise or anything like that. You owe it to me to get a job. Have fun opening the building this Sunday, because I'm not showing up, and I got a key. Like, like this, is, this is what the normal person would have done in a situation like that if things didn't turn out their way. Or the normal person would have just ghosted. They would have just not shown up and they would have not communicated. And you would have reached out to them and reached out to them and reached out to them and they would have just dropped off the face of the earth. This is what normal people do. But Sweb said, hold on now, we're called to be here. And a calling surpasses a career. And so we sent him an email and he said, I'll still be there and I'll still be your best, best volunteer. As he typed that email up, as soon as he hit send, he said, as soon as he hit send, as soon as he hit send, the executive pastor of that church called him up 
and said, hey, I just talked with the people who interviewed you, and they said you didn't get a job. Well, I told them we're hiring you because you can't argue with results. Now, there are some things we got to work on, but you got the job. And Sweb said that in that moment, he felt like God was testing him and saying, how serious are you about this calling? Are you just in it when things go your way? Or are you going to stay true to the calling even when things get tough? That's how you know when you're really in it for a calling. It's when things get tough that your calling is tested. And so this is, this is Sweb's story. It, it, it inspired me, but I know you don't care about it because you're not trying to get a job at a church, right? But, but I tell you Sweb's story because I believe his story is our story. I also tell you his story because there are several principles in that story uh, that I've already preached on in this series about proving faithful with what's in front of you. Uh, but I tell you Sweb's story because I want you to see what to do when your calling seems unclear, when things aren't going the way you anticipated them. Even though things might not be going like you had hoped for, it doesn't mean that you're any less called to do what you are doing. And so I want to show you another instance where a calling seemed unclear, and maybe you'll resonate with this. It's found in the scriptures. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Um, I want to show you what Jonathan does when he has a calling, but it's not really confirmed. It's not really clear. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Here's what's recorded for us. It says this. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. The the reason why he didn't tell his father is because sometimes you know who not to tell your dreams to. Because some people are, are just walking Eeyores. There is just a storm cloud over them. And as soon as you tell them your dreams, they they take your dreams and your vision and your desire and they set it up and they just squat right, I won't even, I won't even. And they, anyway, Jonathan doesn't tell his dad. Sometimes people just try to hold you back. He doesn't tell his dad, but he does tell his armor bearer. And it said, meanwhile, Saul Now Saul is the king of Israel. Saul is Jonathan's dad. Saul and his 600 men were camped at the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. Now to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and John Cena. (laughs) My wrestling fans. They were called Bozes and Cena. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. I thought that was funny. I'm glad y'all laughed at it too. It made me made me happy. You know, I was right. I was I was thinking about this in my in my dining room where I write sermons, and I was like, man, I hope people laugh at this when I. Anyway, too much information. And and, and so there were the cliff on the north in the front of Micmash, and the one on the south was in the front. Of, okay, verse six. Let's go across to the outposts of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps. The Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Well, do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him. Here's what we're going to do. We'll cross over and let them see us. Jonathan, can we just, can we take a stealth approach? Uh, There's only two of us, and there's an outpost of them. No, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. We'll cross over and we'll let them see us. 
If they say to us, stay where you are and we'll kill, or, or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. In translation, moving on, and they'll probably come and kill us. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. Verse 11, when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Now, I've preached on this passage before because I just love this passage, but I want to preach on it from this context of what to do when your calling is unconfirmed. See, let me give you a little bit of context of what's taking place here. The passage before this lets us know that Israel and the Philistines are at war. Uh, Israel has 600 men in their army. That's it. And there's also only two swords in the entire army. You see this in the passage before this. And King Saul, Jonathan's dad, has one of the swords. And Jonathan has the other sword. That, that's it. No, nobody else has a sword in the army of Israel. And Jonathan goes to his armor bearer because the whole entire army of Israel is encamped underneath this pomegranate tree. Jonathan goes to his armor bearer and he says, come on, let's go pick a fight. And the armor bearer says, okay, I'm, uh, I'm with you, but, but here's the thing. When Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go pick a fight, like he has no idea what's going to happen. Like at no point is this vision that he has in his mind sending victorious over the Philistines, at no point is that confirmed by God. He even says it in 1 Samuel 14, 6. He, said, he goes to his armor bearer and says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans and perhaps the Lord will help us. Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Hey, armor bearer, let's go pick a fight and I have no clue what's going to happen. I don't know what the outcome is. The, the armor bearer could have said, well, well, did God tell you to do this? And was like, no. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but let's go pick a fight. See, for Jonathan, he has this vision, he has this calling, but it's unconfirmed. And he decides to act. He decides to do something about it. And you may say, but Jonathan didn't know what to do. Yeah, but he knew he needed to do something. And he knew that sitting idly by underneath the pomegranate tree was not what he should be doing. And he says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go pick a fight. See, when, when Jonathan acts on this, what he's doing is he's, he's living out the words that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke so many years later when he said, uh, it is, the, when he said, it is always, let me look at what I wrote down. I had it. When he said, the time is always right to do what is right. See, Martin Luther King Jr. said, the time is always right to do what is right. But Jonathan didn't have confirmation yet, but it was right. For Jonathan, he couldn't sit idly by while the Philistines oppressed his people. And he said, we got to rise up and do something because the time is always right to do what is right. Yeah, but Jonathan, God didn't tell you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't have a confirmed calling. I have no clue what's going to happen. But what I do know is the time is always right to do what is right. So let's do it. See, sometimes when our confirmation is unconfirmed, we just need to act. You just need to, to, to weigh the, the pros and cons of it, but, but at some point, you need to stop weighing it and do it. So sometimes when you don't know, you just got to go. 
Because the time is always right to do what is right. And this is what Jonathan does with his armor bearer. He realizes I can't sit idly by underneath this pomegranate tree and do nothing. So we have to act even though I don't know what's going to take place. And I wonder for you, what do you need to do that you've been putting off? It's not confirmed. You have no clue how it's going to pan out. But you've been putting it off and it's time for you to finally act. It's, fine, it's time for you to step out and do it. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen because what if I fail? Well, then you'll get back up. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just waiting on the Lord. People say that. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I, I think God is waiting on us to act. God is not slow. He's not back there and it's like, come on, Lord, catch up to my plans. No, God's saying, I got great things for you. I'm waiting for you to rise up out of the seat and do something about it. I'm just waiting on the Lord. You, listen, if Jonathan said that, I'm just waiting on, he'd be waiting underneath that pomegranate tree till he died. Because he never got confirmation on it. He just knew what was right and he decided to act. Well, it's all in the Lord's time and if the Lord wants it to happen, it'll happen. If Jonathan said that, he never would have had victory over the Philistines. See, Jonathan had a vision of him standing victorious on top of that cliff. And because he had a vision, he was guided by that. Yeah, there was no confirmation of the call, but he had a vision and he let it guide him. If Jonathan said, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord's time and if, it, if it's the Lord's will, he'll make it happen. He would have, he would have stood at the bottom of that cliff and, and just waited. Like if Jonathan was just waiting for a holy escalator to appear to, to take him up to the cliff, it never would have happened. A, a lot of us, when it comes to following the call, we, we look for it to be handed to us on a silver platter. But the text doesn't say that God was the wind beneath Jonathan's wings that carried him up to the cliff. No, it said that Jonathan did some hard work, that he climbed up the cliff using both his hands and his feet. Sometimes when we talk about the call of God on our life, we're like, well, I'm just waiting for a door to open. Jonathan didn't have a door in front of him that was open. He had a cliff that, was, that, that he needed to scale. Oftentimes we wait for open doors, and I wonder... If God is saying, stop waiting for an open door, I've given you a vision, I might not confirm that calling, but I need you to break the door down and make it happen. Stop waiting, stop, stop, I'm just waiting. No, you're putting off what I've called you to do. See, we gotta be guided by a vision, and the question I just wanna ask you is, what are you putting off? What have you been waiting on? And God has equipped you with everything you need to do, and it's time for you to finally act. What are you waiting on? I'm just, is it right? Yeah, it's right. Well, then do it. What's the vision you have of where you want to be? Is what you're contemplating going to help you get there? Then do that. Be, be that person. Get guided by a vision. What do you need to do that you've been putting off? Maybe, maybe for some of you it's that you need to go back to school and start pursuing that career. Well, when I grow up, one day I'm going to be a, well, go back to school and do it. Well, I don't have any money. Well, save up. Well, one day I'm just waiting for everything to get right. Stop waiting and start walking. Start doing it. What do you need to do? Maybe what you got to do is you got to start picking up more side work so that your side job becomes your dream job and you can quit your career and do what you love.
Well, I just, you know, I need some breaks and some leads and go out and get them. Start cold calling people. Start making it happen. I'm just waiting on the Lord to deliver this big. Stop it. Climb the cliff. Fight the Philistines. And perhaps, perhaps you'll win. Perhaps, perhaps you'll, you'll get the dream job. Because what's the worst that could happen? It didn't pan out. Okay. Well, you move on from that. But what's the best that could happen? You move into your dream job. What have you been putting off? What have you been waiting on? I'm just waiting on. Maybe for some of you, it's time for you to finally ask her to marry you. Come on, ladies. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's saying, stop eyeing me from across the room and ask me out on a date. I, I don't know what it is, but, but what do you need to do that you, you've been putting off? Maybe for some of you, it's time to start Saving for your kids' college because you got a vision that your kids will graduate college debt-free, but it starts with you saving for it now. What do you need to, to start doing that you've been putting off? Maybe, maybe for some of you what it is is deciding that church is going to be a priority for your family. And that instead of showing up and being apart haphazardly, you're going to commit to the call that God has on your life. And you say, I, I, I'm in this all the way. Because look at what the armor bearer said to Jonathan, Jonathan goes to him and he says, I don't know. I mean, perhaps God's going to save us. I don't know. He goes to him and he says, listen, I got to do something because what I'm doing now isn't working. And the armor bearer says this to him. It's found in um, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 7. This is the NIV that says that he says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you heart and soul. I want to revisit this last example I gave you about making church a priority and, and realizing that you're called not just to a career, but God has called you to a church. Um, because for some people, they see church as something they show up uh, to uh, coincidentally. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you think it's a coincidence that you got here. Maybe a friend brought you or uh, you heard a radio ad, you got a mailer in the mail, and you said, okay, sure, I'll show up, church at the Norva, that sounds cool, fine, I'll go check it out. But can I just let you know that, that God has been orchestrating some things in your life behind the scenes to get you to this place here and now? that you are here for a purpose. It is not an accident that you're here, but you have a divine appointment from God to be here because God has placed you here for a purpose. He's planted you, and I believe that you are called to be a part of this movement known as the church. You have been called to be here. It's not an accident that you're here. And what happens oftentimes is we take that calling for granted. Um, we say, yeah, I'm called to my family, I'm called to my job, but we forget that we're also called to be a part of a church, and I believe that you're called to be here. Now, you know, Sweb said, I, I felt so, uh, I felt called to be a part of Elevation, and so he packed up and moved, and, and, and I just wonder if you have that same conviction about this house here, that you realize you're called to join in on this mission to see people raise the true life. You've been called to a greater purpose here. And many of you, when you've come to this church, I mean, your life has been changed forever. Y your marriage is on the right track now. You found hope, whereas before you didn't have it. Your kids are growing, discovering, and understanding who God is and that he loves them. Like, like you're here for a purpose. And not just to sit and spectate, but to get involved. 
and to move this mission forward. You've been called for a purpose. You know, people choose a church for all sorts of different reasons. Um, some people choose a church based on the people that are there. They say, well, I like a church because my friends are there, uh, and I like the people there. Some people choose a church uh, because of a program. I really like the experience. I like what they do in their kids' ministry. I really like this program that's going on. Some people choose a church based on a personality. I really like the pastor. I really like this person on staff. I really like it when that girl sings on stage. Uh, some people choose a church uh, for the place. Man, the place is awesome. The place is, 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 is great. It, it, it's amazing. Um, and there's nothing wrong with choosing a church for those preferences that all start with P, people, place, program, personality. But the problem when you choose to be a part of a church based on those four Ps is that those preferences don't ignite a passion inside of you where you say, I will pack up and move my family to be a part of that church. It doesn't ignite a passion in you where you say to your job, sorry, I would love the promotion, but it's going to call us to move, but we can't move because we've been called to be a part of this church. When you choose a church based on those preferences, it doesn't cause you to scale cliffs and stand victorious and do whatever it takes to advance a movement. Because when you choose a church based on people, well, when your friends leave or move away, or stop coming to church, you look around and you say, well, my people left and so I'll leave, I'll go somewhere else. You abandon your calling. When you choose a church based on a program, well, if the experience changes or they stop a program or they start something that you don't really like, then you abandon your calling and search for another program somewhere else. You're chasing a program, not your calling. When you choose a church based on a personality, well, when the personality changes and that person isn't on staff anymore or she's not on stage singing all the time or that pastor's not there, then, then you abandon your calling and go search for a personality somewhere else. If you choose a church based on the place, well, if the place changes and you don't like it, you leave. Or you get used to a place, you, take, you start taking it for granted and it's not as special anymore. And what happens is you go and search for another place instead of searching for your calling. See, God hasn't called us to chase people or personalities or programs or places, but he's called us to embrace our calling and to chase that. And you've been called to be a part of this movement here to lend a hand, to get involved, to engage as we advance this mission to see people raised to true life. And I don't want you to abandon your calling. You know, there are times where our calling seems unclear in life. But when your calling seems, un seems unclear, that's when you go back to the vision that you had previously and you get guided by that. So what's the vision that you have of where you want to be one day? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of husband? What kind of father? What kind of mom? What kind of daughter? Who do you want to be one day? Well, that'll determine what you do now. So when things seem unclear, go back to your vision and follow that. But beyond that, remember the vision of this church. The word church designed to see people raise the true life. And my hope is that if I were to ask you this morning, what do you love about this church? I hope you wouldn't say, oh, the people, a personality, a program, or the place. My hope is that maybe you'd mention those things, but my hope really is that you'd say, the thing I love about this church 
is that we see people raised to true life. The thing I love about this church is that we see people who previously didn't know God come to know God and get raised to true life. When we see people raised out of the waters of baptism, that's what I love and that's what I live for. And that's what I've been called to be a part of. And if that's what you're here for, if that's what you understand your calling to be, you'll stay no matter what. Because this church won't change in that mission. Because we are a church designed to see people raised to true life and we will stop at nothing to see that take place here in our midst. That's what you're a part of. A movement on a mission and you've been called to play a part. So, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? What have you been putting off that it's time for you to finally act on? Maybe for some of you it's time to start serving in this church. To stop by the orange tables, to sign up, to serve on a team. Maybe for some of you it's time to say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to take that step and exercise generosity. And maybe today's the day that you give for the first time. For others of you, maybe it's, it's time for you to say, okay, I need to bring people to experience what's happening here. Because I can't take this for granted and I can't keep it to myself. But beyond just here in this church, what do you need to do in your life? What do you need to do? Maybe it's time to start the business. Or if you don't know anything about business, it's time to start learning about business, okay? Don't start the business until you learn about it. Maybe it's time for you to go back to school. Maybe it's time for you to go to your kids and say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've been raising you. Today it's gonna change, and I'm not gonna take you for granted anymore. I'm gonna give you a greater vision for which to live, and I'm gonna model that in my own life. Maybe you go to your husband or your wife, you say, I'm so sorry. Our marriage is directionless, but we're gonna get a vision, and we're gonna change some things. What do you need to do that you've been putting off? What do you need to change? Stop waiting on the Lord. Sometimes you do need to wait. But sometimes you just need to act. And God's on the sideline cheering you on saying, go, climb the cliff, kick the door down, make it happen, pursue the vision I've given you. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? What do you need to do? Would you close your eyes? I just want to ask you two questions to contemplate in this moment. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you this moment, right here, right now? What is God saying to you? Get that in your mind. God, what are you saying to me? And the follow-up question I want to ask you is this. What are you going to do about it? What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Because it's not just enough to hear the word, we have to act on it, we have to do something about it if we're going to see change, if we're going to see movement in our lives. What is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? God, I pray that you would make it clear to us what you want us to do. But if it's unclear, give us a vision. Give us a direction of where we're headed. Because we might not know what to do, but when we know who we want to be, that'll determine what we do. Give us a vision to guide us and let us act on it today. Let us act on it this week. Let us make it happen. Let us take the steps. And when things start to get uncertain, when we start to question the calling, 
when we start to get demotivated, help us come back to the vision so that we can move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you, because I believe that God is telling everyone something. I want to encourage you during this next moment as we observe communion to go ahead and write that down on your program so that you can see it, you can look at it. And then later today, you can look back at it. Maybe later this week, you can look back at it and determine what you need to do about it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.